Year. I hope it's a Happy New Year. Man, it was great having the kids in the auditorium. They sing way better than most of you guys do. That was pretty sweet. We had a few of them punching their brothers and their sisters, but that was okay, right? And it's so good to have them in here with us. And uh, just trying to incorporate more family, familiness uh, in what we do. It's great to hear them and watch them be here today. So hopefully uh, you enjoyed that as well. Um, again, my name is Pastor John. For those that are visiting or anybody new, I'd just love to meet and greet you as you come in and go out of the building, so please take a, a moment and introduce yourself. If I don't track you down first, uh, it's been so good to uh, do that through the holidays. Um, I love the start of the new year, what it, it means for people. Uh, it's a kind of a strange thing that uh, many of us will make resolutions this time of year. I don't know if it's a culture thing or what it is, but remember a resolution is nothing more than a, a firm decision to, to do something. Uh, uh, most of us pick this side or not to do something that we have done in the past year. And it's uh, kind of interesting to hear and listen to some of those uh, as we enter into the new year. Uh, Nick, last week, um, he gave us a whole list of them. I don't know if you wrote any of those down, uh, but he definitely had a, a much odder list than I've ever heard before. It was quite different. Um, some of us seem uh, this is a time that we can reevaluate things. In other words, look back at how our year went. I hope you're lining up your life with what God would have you do. And this is a, some choose to do this time of year to do that and, you know, get the ship uh, back on track or in the, in the, you know, right in the right lane again. Um, some of us um, take New, year, New Year's time also to, like, kind of wipe the slate clean. Uh, you know, start over. Let's do a do-over. Last year didn't, I didn't do so great last year. Uh, let's just wipe it clean and start over. So however you decide to do these um, things, uh, it's unusual for me that we only do this once a year. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not really the picture of, uh, I'll just use the Bible's word of repentance. In other words, we find ourselves going the wrong way. Repentance is really just, okay, I'm going in the wrong way. I'm going away from God. I need to turn around and go towards him. Uh, but we only somehow do these things once a year. I hope that maybe um, you do it more than one time a year. That's kind of my hope um, today. Uh, today we're going to be, um, begin a new series, and that series is on uh, giving. And uh, as you saw by the slide, um, we usually do a little bumper video. It was really well done today. Thank you for the team for doing that. But if you just readjusted yourself in your seat, or you started to perspire a little bit, or you said to yourself, oh boy, here we go. I'm glad we're doing this series. Because what I find out is really is that there are two main reasons people do, to do that in church. When you start talking about money, people squirm, sweat, and say little things under their breath. But there's really two main reasons that that happens. Uh, first one being that we don't have a correct understanding of what giving is in the Bible and what God's people and how they should be, how they should be uh, looking and viewing that uh, giving. But then the other reason I've found over the years is that we've been misled by somebody who does know what it's about. 
And uh, for one of two reasons, we have a um, kind of little squirmishness or uh, just kind of uneasiness about giving. And so what we're going to hopefully through this series, we're going to help you with that. Uh, we'll be looking at biblical giving uh, with a few goals in mind, really just two. If our understanding of biblical giving has been incorrect, that we would be determined to reevaluate our giving and make changes where necessary. And then secondly, if a church or organization has misled us and has hindered our giving, then uh, that we'd be willing to wipe the slate clean and start over and begin to look at what the Bible really says uh, about giving. So, and then once more, be excited. I don't know about you, but when we get it right, giving is fun. Um, it is exciting. And we're going to talk about a little bit about that excitement today. But uh, before we go any further, let's pray together, would we? And uh, just look to the Lord to guide and direct in all of this. Lord, we thank you that you are awesome. We just sang about you, uh, what you've done for us, just one of the many things. Your son has paid it all. We, can, we had our slate wiped clean into all Unto you we owe it all. So Lord, just help guide words, direct thoughts today as we look to your word uh, and just really kind of understand what your heart was in the giving process. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I got a little definition I've really just gathered from a bunch of different things over the years. Um, and I'm going to give you that def definition now of biblical giving. It's my definition. It's just what I've learned um, I, maybe you could take it and glean from it, add to it, take away from it. But biblical giving is the overflow of joy in God that gladly and lovingly meets the need of another person. So biblical giving is the overflow of joy in God that gladly and lovingly meets the need of other people. And I found that that definition helps me, directs me, kind of reins it all in. Why do I give? How come I give? And we're going to talk about some of that this morning. Uh, for my time on this planet, uh, my experience um, has been that most people love to give. In fact, um, a great deal of us just participated in a season of giving, you know, Christmas time. Uh, it, we all love to give. Uh, there's nothing like giving Christmas presents. I know you, if you're like me, you get excited. And why do we get excited? Because there's so much joy in watching someone open up that gift that you worked for, you went to the mall or, you know, hit five buttons on Amazon or whatever you did to get that. There was an effort that you put in towards that thing and you can't wait to see them unwrap it. You took the time to pick it out, to wrap it, to place it under the tree, to do all these things. So, but even though you gave these gifts and they cost you something, you don't care. Because there's so much joy in giving that thing and watching that person receive that gift. Because it is exciting. It gives you joy. So really, this isn't really a God thing in a sense. We're made in the likeness in, a, uh, in his image, of course. But really, the whole world just really celebrated this time. It's just a, kind of like a thing that's in us that we just like to do that. 
But church, I believe, is divinely supercharged. And what I mean by that, we have a big motivation behind our giving. Um, as I mentioned, a great deal of us participated in this just recently. Um, we have this divine advantage, however, as God's people. Um, this supercharged uh, kind of thing comes from, well, it's central to the character of God's people. When you read through your Bible and really from start all the way to finish, you can see many characteristics of God's people that are different than the rest of the world. And giving is one of those things, but it's, it's, it's supercharged by something. There's something else behind it that is different than the rest of the world uh, does their giving. And we're going to talk about that this morning. It's because of all that God has given to us. And there's a big umbrella when we talk about all the things that God has given to us and what he has done. Um, like our video just said um, in the worship time or at the end of worship time, God's gift came to us from a cross to pay a debt we could not pay and could never repay. We know that. We understand that. We read about that. We, it, it goes from our head down into our heart. He gave it all. So we could be free of the guilt and the shame and the consequences of our sin. For that we are forever, for all of eternity, are indebted to him. And out of that comes a divinely supercharged emotion, and that is joy. Out of that comes joy, because God has met our need. And gladly, lovingly, we meet the needs of others out of that overflow as we give. Because our giving is supercharged, um, we give sometimes in the way, uh, different from the world sometimes, that it, it doesn't even make sense. Because we're divinely supercharged with all that God has done, we, we do some things that seem irrational and just don't make sense. One such incident, if you want to flip your Bibles open to Matthew 26, um, we're going to look at starting in verse 6 of one of these incidents it, that happened in the, um, uh, the house of Simon the leper. This incident does not make sense if without it being supercharged by something else. So let's look at that. Um, Matthew 26, verse 6. It says, when, when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him, having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil. And she poured it on his head as she, met, as she sat at the table, as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. But when Jesus was aware of this, he said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always. But me, you do not always have, or do not have always. When you and I first read about this event at uh, Simon's house, uh, this pouring out of a fragrant oil all over the top of Jesus' head, 
It doesn't seem like this would be something that they'd get all excited about. In fact, this week I Googled what a bottle of essential oils costs, and it ranges from $4 to 100 bucks. So I don't see what the big deal was that they're just dumping this oil. It, culturally, we look at that and go, why is everybody so mad? But when you actually look at it, um, when we run over to the book of John, we see that this, this particular bottle of oil costs 300 denarii. And with the idea of most of the people in the time made a little less than a denarii a, a day, that was a whole year's worth of wages, or pretty close. So now this gets a little more intimate with our finances, right? What we think about, would we just take a whole year of our wages and dump it over the head of someone? I bet you we would think about it a little bit, wouldn't we? But anyways, it doesn't seem to be that irrational to me at first until you see the cost, what it costs. Um, the disciples considering um, this a big waste, right? They thought that this was like, what are you doing? And it actually says that word indignant means is just that they're very angry. And they're even talking uh, back and forth between themselves. This money could have been sold or this fragrant oil could have been sold and the money given to the poor. It would have been a, a rational thing to do. Yet rational by our earthbound standards isn't what Jesus seeks. So this woman seemed to act irresponsible and her recklessness, in her recklessness, she seems to get it. She seems to understand it. Doing this irrational thing, if you look to the heart of what's going on here, she understands. She sees the value in our Lord Jesus Christ. Where Judas did not, if you look over in John's Gospel, you'll see that Judas was the kind of the instigator of this whole thing. And when we read ahead in our Bibles, right, we understand where Judas was. He did not get the value of Jesus. Actually, he turned him in uh, for silver. So it's interesting that we have a lady that is willing to dump a, a whole entire year's worth of wages on the head of Jesus because she gets it. So there's a valuable lesson to be learned from this event at Simon's house. Biblical giving is worship because that's what that lady was doing. No matter the amount, no matter the cost, biblical giving, we see, is worship. When we give of our time, our talent, and our resources, we are giving to worship God for all that he has done. Again, biblical giving is the overflow of joy in God that gladly and lovingly meets the need of another person. Without a proper understanding what God has given us, we probably will never be motivated to biblically give. Without the proper motivation, our giving is often joyless and without love. And without joy and without love, we find ourselves giving emotionally out of guilt or sense of duty or expecting a kickback or a benefit or just giving to be noticed that I, I give. I give at church. Look at me. In the month of December, we spent most of our time talking together about the birth of Jesus. 
Uh, do you remember the reason why the wise men, not kings, wise men traveled the great distance to see Jesus? Do you remember that? Do you remember why they went there? Let's read Matthew 2, just revisit that time, starting in verse 1, says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to what? Worship him. The wise men came to worship and how did they worship? Verse 11 tells us that. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The wise men worshiped by giving of their treasures. So we often, you know, talk about frankincense and gold and myrrh during Christmas time. But these were treasures to these guys. But don't overlook the weeks that it took them to get there. The, the maybe weeks, months, maybe even to get there. That was of their time. Don't overlook the idea that they had a talent. They were stargazers, many of the Magi were. They had a, been a, probably a God-given talent in this area and an interest, and they developed that talent and now they're even using that to go worship the king. Uh, so they gave of their treasures, but also of their time and of their talent. So first and foremost, biblical giving is worship. And secondly, biblical giving is giving back to God as creator for everything because everything belongs to him. And we know that. You go, are you making this stuff up? And I go, no, because Deuteronomy 10, 14 says this. Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God. Also the earth with all that is in it, as creator of heavens and the earth and all that is in them. God holds the rights to everything. And I think sometimes we forget that, don't we? Somehow we think that we have stuff and that the stuff we have is ours. Um, scriptures over and over tell us that God owns it all. Even, uh, that even includes you and me. Um, remember, uh, we became slaves to sin at one time, right? And God didn't want to leave us that way, so he sent Jesus to redeem us. And that word redeem there means to go get them back, pay the penalty or pay the price to get them. You've been bought with a price. Actually, kind of think about it for the second time. We uh, wandered, we went far from God, but God said, I don't want that to be the end result. So he sent Jesus to redeem us with the life of his son. God owns it all. So when we think about that as our giving, we really don't have anything, do we? As creator God chose man to care for his creation. We're just caretakers of everything. Let's revisit that. Genesis 1:26. And God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creepy thing that creeps on the earth. 
God gave man the privilege and the command to subdue creation and rule over it, to take care of it. Um, and you're looking around our earth and our planet right now and thinking the same thing I am in, unfortunately. We haven't done such a great job, have we? No, we're sinful creatures. We've fallen far from the, the image that we're supposed to bear. And we're not doing such a great job of it. In fact, the condition of the earth and everything in it as we see it now is due to our sinful caretaking of it. However, it won't always be that way. We know the end of the story. God will make a new heaven and earth, and that'll be awesome one day. But until then, um, it was always God's desire for us to care for his creation. Um, nevertheless, everything in it is God's, and man was given this privilege to care for it. This includes caring for, with all of our time, our talents, and our resources. So all of us have everything I just said. Some of us have more of one or the other, but we all have some of these things. We all have the same amount of time. Uh, we all have different talents, but then we all have a different amount of resources. And it's really cool when you read through the Bible and talk about all the different resources that were available to different people. Um, God did great things no matter how many resources they had. And it's really cool when you think about, um, if you've ever looked back on your own life, we just did this at my house the other night, had some friends over, and we started looking backwards at all the things that God had done in our lives. It was pretty amazing. Uh, you forget. You forget all the things that God has done, but man, if you want to take a little trip down memory lane and look backwards and, and look at all the people you tried to care for and use your talents and resources for these things, it's amazing what God had done and has done and continues to do through them. So a great example of man acknowledging that God owns it all is Abram. I love this story. It's one of my favorites. Uh, God had given Abram a great victory after the enemy had come in and stole his nephew Lot and all the, the resources that he had and ever, all his goods and the people and had carried them away. But God gives Abram a great victory over the people. It was only, a, only God could do this. And Abram brings all the people back, brings Lot, brings all the goods and everything back to where they belong. And this here in Genesis 14 is kind of like the priests going out to meet Abram as the victory is complete. And listen to what he says. Then Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And this is Abraham or Abram's reaction to this. And he gave him a tithe of all. So the priest of God, Melchizedek, blesses Abraham and blesses God, delivers him for the delivery of uh, all of his goods back into his possession again. Um, it, in an act of worship, 
Abraham tithes or gives back. That word tithe just means a tenth. He gives back to the ministry of Melchizedek. So God's commands regarding paying tithes is recorded all throughout the Old Testament. We see the word a lot. Uh, and we see it in different interactions. It kind of comes and goes throughout the Old Testament for bad reasons, and, but also comes back for good reasons. But the tenth, God's people were taught that everything was his and that they should just give back only a tenth of it for the ministry. In other words, so maybe somebody else could come to know God one day. Maybe Melchizedek could use this for the offerings and for all the things that he had to do uh, under being the priest of God at the time. It was um, part of God's plan for mankind living a holy life, living a separate life that is different than that of the world around them. Leviticus 27 kind of uh, says a little bit about the tithe. It says, In all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Essentially, what we can learn from just these few verses about the tithe is that everything on the earth is not ours at all. Even the tithe is not ours. Um, it's God's, and God just requires that or entrusts us to take care of all this stuff and just ask for a tenth back. Tithing is simply giving back a portion of what God has given to us back to him so his people can do uh, the work of the ministry. It's an act of worship as we tithe, as we give back uh, for all that he has done for us. As with so many of God's laws uh, in the Old Testament, we get a little confused when it comes to New Testament stuff sometimes, and we really shouldn't be confused, but man has a way of taking Old Testament laws and turning them to self-righteous acts. Like we take these things and turn them into like religion, if you want to call it that, a way to get righteous on our own. And giving has been one of those things. Giving legalistically or out of obligation as a form of becoming right with God for, is it one of those examples. We can do that. Like if, it, if you come here to the Journey Church and you're giving your tithes and you're going, ah, and you drop your money into the giving thing or do it online or, and it's grudgingly, you've gotten it off track a little bit. You need to just take a minute and remember what all what God has done for you. And, and when we take this tithe or this offering and offer it to God as an act of worship, it becomes joy. And it, it, it's just such a joyful and glad thing to do. When Jesus begins his earthly ministry, we see him usher the new covenant or the new promise. And um, not that the old one went away. He just adds to it, if you're familiar with everything that Jesus came to do. But um, the word actually shows up less in the New Testament. And it's only like eight, eight times that it shows up in all of the New Testament. It shows up mostly in uh, the book of Hebrews, where the Hebrew writer is trying to explain uh, who Jesus is, that the tithe comes up. Uh, but the word offering now comes about 65 more times in the Bible. And the gift another 75 times shows up in the New Testament. 
So we have to ask ourselves the question, did the tithe go away just because the word went away? And the answer is yes and no. It's, it's both ways. What we see is Jesus introducing a shift away from commands or obligations to the law and its penalty of death. Remember, um, he, he ushers us into a, an arena of freedom of grace. In other words, um, his substitutionary death on the cross paid that penalty that was owed when you broke the law. Because the, the, the penalty of breaking the law was what? Death. Jesus paid it all. We just sang about it. So he paid that obligation of death. And if we are willing to come to him in faith, that penalty has been paid for you and for me. So now what we do, we keep uh, the God's law out of love. We're in because of his grace. We now tithe, we now give, not out of obligation, but out of love, out of what he's done for us, what he's given us. Uh, regarding the tithe, although we no longer need to be fearful of this penalty of breaking God's law, we can now use it kind of like as a starting point. Maybe you've heard that before taught. It's a great thing to just kind of set the set the bar, I guess, if you want to call it that, as a place to start. We can use that tithe as a tenth of all that God has given us to return back to him for his uh, ministries uh, through our gifts and our offerings. But we do this in a response to all he's done, not because we need to do it. So biblical giving now flows from a grateful heart and not out of obligation. And that's really what the big shift is in uh, Old Testament to New Testament. Giving in the Old Testament was by the law or by command. Jesus fulfills that law. In uh, remember, no jot or tittle. He, he kind of goes through that whole spiel about will be, will be removed from the law unless he fulfills that law. And this one, the obligation that we had that when we broke a law, Death was the penalty he fulfilled. So we don't have to worry about that particular one through our faith in Christ. But in the New Testament, we now are in this area of grace. Now we do it because we want to, because of all he has done and everything that we look back and see how he has blessed us. We do it from a grateful heart. So biblical giving is worship and it's giving back to God. But as well, biblical giving has a purpose. We don't just give, do we? We don't just give to, like, if your tithes and offerings go here to the journey, I just hope you don't realize it just doesn't go poof and you never see it again. Uh, it has a purpose here. We give back to God because, do we, we do it because he's like running low on funds? You know, God needs to have some money back because now there's so many people on the planet, you know, and, you know, he's given us all this stuff and he needs a little back because so, he's running low. Uh, no, we don't do that. Uh, or is it because we owe him interest? You know, like, do we owe God 10% back because it's just kind of a thing he's set up? No. Remember the, the definition I gave you at the beginning? It says biblical giving is the overflow of joy in God. And I have that highlighted in my notes here. That, guide, uh, that gladly and lovingly meets the need 
of another person. That's why we give. Of course, there's no doubt about it. Um, <laughs> um, here at the journey, we're going to make sure the lights are turned on, right? Uh, we're going to make sure that the gas bill is paid so that we can worship here together. But it's much more. Your giving is much more than just hanging out here inside the walls of this building. If we're doing our job right here as, as a people of God, that we're going outside these walls uh, with uh, events and things that will advance his kingdom and the gospel uh, throughout our community. Here at The Journey, we have a desire to be a people that lives by faith, known by love, and is a voice of hope in our community. And it, that is our mantra here. That is our desire here. That is our vision here uh, at The Journey Church. Listen to Paul's words as he writes to the church in Philippi. He says this in Philippians 2, verse 3. He says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for your, his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Uh, it's certainly easy as individuals to get our, our lives all wrapped up in us, right? Uh, taking care of our needs. This world can be a crazy place. Uh, and we kind of get focused just on us. But it's interesting here that... Um, we would be kind of irresponsible as God's creatures if we didn't take care of ourselves. We need to do that. Um, but the goal here, according to Philippians and through God's word, is that we don't only look at our interests, but that we look at the interests of others as well. So it's not just about our own personal interests, but that we should be concerned about others. And if we're not careful, though, this can happen in church. We can get wrapped up into us in this little room and our properties and all those different things that we have and forget about that there's a whole big world out there that may or may not know Jesus. And so we want to be concerned about the outside people as well, not just our own interests. So biblical giving has pur purpose. We just don't give for the sake of giving. So today I'm going to um, kind of ask the band to come up. We're going to do a couple of things here today. We're going to do communion. Um, we're going to do that. But if you call Journey um, your home and you worship here with your giving, I want to assure you that our gifts are being used. Well, every, every week, Every month we think about how we can get out into our community uh, and do ministry. Uh, we want to advance the kingdom of God. We also want to make sure that the work of the gospel is being done. So, like I said, yeah, we got to pay the gas bill and all that kind of stuff. But our mission here is that people know Jesus and that they learn how to follow him and they learn how to grow in him. So all these things are part of why we give. So biblical worship uh, or biblical giving is worship for all he has done. Biblical giving is giving back to God as everything belongs to him anyhow. And biblical giving has a purpose for God's advancing the kingdom and for, to further the gospel. So as we 
start communion today here. Every week, if you're new to the journey, every week here, we take a little bit of time of reflection. We just kind of think about the things that are said, think about the words that were in our worship songs, and we just really take a time to reflect and hear what he is saying to, to us, take the time to pray and uh, talk back to him. In a moment, we're going to retrieve the elements. All you'll have to do is go up and grab one of the little cups that has the bread in it and one of the cups that has the juice in it and return back to your seat. But as you're doing that, uh, if you have not yet reconciled with the Lord, if you have not made it right with the Lord, we want to help you with that here at The Journey. Um, we just want to let you know that um, God loves you. In fact, he loves you so much that he gave his only son, right? He put him on the cross. He died the penalty that we should die. And through simple faith, I, I don't want to oversimplify that word faith, but all we have to do is believe that he has done that, believe that he is the son of God. We have to repent from our sins, and all that means is that we have to, we have to we're going this way in the world's way, and now we're going to turn around and face and go towards God. And we have to admit that, confess that to him, and the Bible says that he will forgive us of our sin. And if you've never done that, we want to help you do that here. Um, it's nothing fancy. You just have to talk to God and pray to him. If you don't know what words to say or how to even go about it, uh, we can help you do that. So if you want to take a moment, uh, go up and grab your cups while the band plays. They'll play through a song. Take the cups, bring them back to your chair. Pray if you need to. But at the same time, we'll, when it's all done, the band's done, we'll, we'll take together uh, communion with each other, okay? So let's worship him uh, some more. Because of what 
Time is for sure all about remembering uh, Jesus, um, his last supper that he had with his disciples. He drank wine and broke bread with them during that meal. And during that meal, he gave us some symbols, some things to remember him by. And although they were just breaking a piece of bread, that bread would soon be the symbol that they would remember about his broken body that would hang on the cross for the sins of you and me and all people. And then his blood was shed. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. There's no covering unless perfectly sinless man, Jesus, shed his blood for the forgiveness of sins, and that's what he's done. So today, we're just going to remember that. This is not his body. Just some tasty little bread. And this is not his blood. It's just some juice. But they are symbols of what he has done for us. And so as we remember, when you take, remember his broken body and remember his shed blood that was shed for you and for me for the forgiveness of sin. Let's take together. Let's pray together if we could. Lord, you're so good. 
the days just click by and sometimes we don't even take time to think about you think about what you've done but today we're doing that we're looking at the cross right now Lord it's looking to how much you loved us and what it took to save us and all we can do is be thankful thank you Lord thank you for Jesus thank you for your Holy Spirit that draws all men to you in your son's name we pray amen as you leave today remember we can help you in any way shape or form follow jesus get to know him grow in him anything we can do to help you just find myself or anybody with a lanyard on we want to help you as you go out today um, just remember there's bibles on the coffee uh table out there if you uh, don't have a bible just take one as a gift uh, from us to you but um, at the end of Paul's exhortation of uh, communion, he, uh, he always kind of helps us, you do this, uh, we proclaim his um, death until he comes. So guess what? Go outside today and proclaim the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And don't forget what he's done for you. All right, have a great Sunday.